Welcome to this very special episode of URT Number, the Amazing Race Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian whose mind is impenetrable, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. Little shout out for you there, Jen. And I am very <laughs> pleased to say that joining us today is one of the stars of Amazing Race 30, Jen Hudak. Yay! Hey! Hey guys! With the least <laughs> preparation we have ever done for a podcast for reasons that will stay off the podcast. <laughs> That'll be a tough job for you to do, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> It will. You're completely right, because we're trying desperately not to, like, date these podcasts, but we were meant to be speaking to Justin, but he had a little inconvenient announcement that Diana's pregnant today. So Jen stepped up to the breach, thankfully. Such a jerk. Yeah, what a jerk. (laughs) We hate you. (laughs) So I just want to establish, Jen, there's no pregnancy announcement for you from you as well. Um, That is correct. There is no pregnancy announcement currently for an extended period of time you know, disclosed. <laughs> you know we could have done with an announcement here so lie all you want oh yeah yeah my that would my husband's heart he has heart disease in his family we don't need to like test the waters there by giving him any anxiety <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be really awkward because like the first five questions is all about pregnancy because i was just gonna ask you the same <laughs> questions i was gonna ask justin diana so let me skim oh, nice. here. Do it. <laughs> skim past when are you due? What yeah. names are you thinking? Are you thinking of Logan and Michael yet? <laughs> yeah, so what name would you name uh, Justin and Diana's child? <laughs> oh my gosh. Justin and Diana's child. Oh, that's going to take some thought. Yeah. Keep like in mind, we don't even know if it's a boy or a girl yet. That's how new the announcement is. So we'd have to go for something gender neutral, too. Or we don't have to. Yeah, or we can just skip that. (laughs) We could even start with one close to our hearts in Logan. It just works. Yeah, I'll vote for Logan. We try to do that with John Montgomery, but uh, he he never went along with it. Yeah, he would have named you Mr. Manborn rather than Logan. Yeah. All right. So what has been going on since your season ended, Jen? Oh, my gosh. Well... It's really hard when Amazing Race ends and then you return to normal life. I don't know if people share much about that process, but it's rough. (laughs) And like knowing what's happening with filming right now is causing severe FOMO. Um, But yeah, I've gotten back to normal life, which I have a job in marketing. Um, I live in Park City, so I've been home basically and helping my husband out with his teardrop trailer business that he started two years ago. Um, So he builds and sells these little travel trailers, which are super rad. Um, Yeah. And I'm starting a a coaching business, a mindset coaching business. So that's super fun. Um, And just trying to, yeah, live it up as much as I can post the super high of amazing race. (laughs) I know from a slightly smaller example, I've done a couple of quiz shows on, on British TV. It's weird coming out of that kind of bubble, especially yeah. when you're waiting for it to air. Right. Yeah. And it, it was funny. I mean, th- waiting for it to air too, there's like all that lead up and the anxiety, like not knowing 
what your edit's going to be like and how you're going to come across to viewers. And of course, you know, the outcome, um, but you don't know how everything's going to be portrayed. So, uh, so the lead up was really nerve wracking. I feel like it was less nerve wracking for me once it was actually airing. Christy and I were fortunate to get a pretty favorable edit. So, um, not a lot to complain about there. And yeah, but like just at the intensity of all of it, you know, and adrenaline is, certainly a really awesome drug (laughs) and I got a lot of it on amazing race. So, um, now not as much and I had knee surgery in March. So then I've kind of been like not able to do all the fun things that I normally do for adrenaline. Um, so it's been an adjustment for sure. Yeah. It's a weird sort of three and a half, four weeks for you guys. And then it's just like, Oh, okay. I'm back home what can I do now? Because I can't really contact anyone I've just seen for the past four weeks. Right. Totally. Do you find yourself having to chase down another adrenaline rush after after it's all over? Well, I'm trying to process that, actually, because I'm like, because in, in many ways, I've done that my entire life. I mean, skiing was chasing adrenaline the entire time in one form or another. Um, and then a re- amazing race was, and like, I do notice the inclination of wanting to do that. And I'm trying to be like, okay, what is lacking in your life that makes you feel like you need to go have some insane, crazy momentary adventure that always comes to an end. And then you're left being like, okay, well now what? So it's not really a sustainable life model. <laughs> so I'm trying to unpack that a little bit. Yeah, there's only so many planes, I guess, I can jump out of and skydive just for fun to keep that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know, I mean, maybe this is true or not. I actually haven't skydived, but after a while, the the rush of the jump is, like, not really there anymore. And then people start base jumping, and then you're taking way more risk. And sometimes that doesn't end well. You're always seeking more. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were talking about the knee surgeries. This, how many knee surgeries have you had? This was my ninth knee surgery. Wow. Yeah. And it was actually injured when we were filming um, the race. I had heard it like six months before um, and opted not to get it repaired, thinking that I'd be able to heal it over the summer through mountain biking. But meniscus doesn't really heal on its own. So finally got it fixed. Yeah, like my oldest brother, he was in uh, Olympic freestyle wrestling for several years. And then right before I think he was supposed to be going in, that he was good enough to qualify for the Olympics, um, he ended up having a major, like, a career-ending uh, knee injury. So he's always wow. had to battle his various knee injuries uh, over, like, the past about 15 years now. So okay. I know I've, I've heard about how, like, damaging that can be or how much it, it can hold you back at times. Yeah, knees can hold you back a lot, and that sucks for your brother. I can, I feel his pain with the, the really bad timing of the injury right there, because that's very similar to my story too. It's brutal. Yeah, I imagine it takes a bit of time to probably get over something like that. It does for sure. It's frustrating to feel like you had all the components, but your body couldn't quite hold up. It's that's rough. Like you had the skills, but not. I don't know. The luck. Yeah, the luck wasn't quite wasn't quite on my side. Wasn't quite on his side, it sounds like too. 
And that is such a factor. I think people look at like the athletes that have great success in the Olympics. And while they're certainly all talented, and this is not to take any of those achievements away, there's definitely this element of, of luck and like just having that right timing of peaking, you know, in that fourth year that happens to be an Olympic year and not a year late or a year early. So it's a crazy thing. Yeah, it's a lot of time and dedication all to this one event, and then you just have to hope it all pans out for you. Yeah, for sure. That's all so, you can do, though, really. Yeah. So we just heard confirmation from Phil about next season, one of the worst-kept secrets, really, about <laughs> the whole reality clash theme. What are your yeah. thoughts on this? Well, since I'm not there, I'm somewhat relieved that it's not a traditional All-Stars. Um because I still have to have my hopes and dreams remain alive. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I kind of think that I would be shocked if an amazing race team didn't win. Um, but that's probably what's going to end up happening. Cause that's how these things go. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be entertaining. I'm not too, uh, I'm happy with the amazing race teams they picked in all honesty. And I'm not much of a, big brother watcher so i don't know anybody other than rachel because she was <laughs> on amazing race um but yeah it'll be interesting what do you guys think it could have been so much worse yeah is the best way i can describe it <laughs> it could have been jet and cord and 10 clones is kind of what i oh was my hearing gosh. <laughs> yeah like the original rumors was it was going to be all big brother and Right. I would not have been on board for that because they would have really been scraping the bottom of the barrel. But then, Agreed. as they started saying, oh, we'll have some survivor teams, I'm like, hmm, this could be interesting. And then, when the Amazing Race teams were announced, who it actually is, I'm like, you yeah. brought back Colin and Christy? What? Yeah. Yeah, how, that was how, surprising. Wh- what? How? <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I like the Amazing Race teams. I'm borderline positive with the big brother teams i'm kind of a bit eh on the survivor teams is the best way i can describe Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the survivor teams kind of get like they're like an afterthought sort of is how it feels but it could have been so so much worse with all of them to be honest there's a potentially great season in there yeah i agree with that i think on the amazing race teams the only surprise to me was the afghanimals just because it's their third time so um but they do that. <laughs> <laughs> there were much worse teams they could have asked back for a third time. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> true. So it's fair to say you're a pretty big Amazing Race fan then. And you were pre-Amazing Race 30. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I actually, um, I was going through some emails and I found an email uh, back in 2008. Because I first applied for the show with my ski coach um, prior to applying with Christy. Um, and I found an email back to 2008. Uh, talking to her about applying for Amazing Race and wanting to get on the show. So it's uh, it's been a pretty long time. I can't say I was like a fan from season one, episode one, but for at least the last decade. <laughs> That's how massive the timeline is now, is that even when you say like, oh, I've only been a fan for half the series, that still adds up to like 10 years now. Yeah, it's crazy. Did you know before the start line that it was going to be sort of a Champions edition? Or was it um, kind of a surprise? Yes. Well, not so much Champions, but like, uh, no. The way that 
what I, the language that I had been hearing was sort of this like dynamic duo thing. So like two people from similar backgrounds, um, but the champions thing didn't really reveal itself until we were on the start line and, um, and Phil like basically read everyone's resume. <laughs> and Joey chomped um, on a hot dog. Yeah. Poor Joey. You did not want to eat that hot dog. <laughs> I was like, I'll eat it. I'm hungry. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So that kind of revealed itself there, but I mean, I thought it was cool. I think that it was the theme might've, I get why they positioned it that way, but there were a few teams where it didn't necessarily fit. So it was kind of like weird to use that, but then it definitely fit for like quite a few of, of the cast. Um, but the dynamic duo thing made a lot of sense to me and still does, but I guess it doesn't sound quite as sexy. It's kind of weird for us at the moment because instead of doing Amazing Race Canada, which is doing a Heroes edition, and you can guess what stereotypes they're doing, we're doing these interviews. We've got Survivor coming up with David versus Goliath, so that's sort of like Heroes versus Nobodies. And Australian Survivor's doing a very similar theme as well. They're doing Champions versus Challengers. Oh, interesting. So there's sort of a a theme at the moment going round of sort of quote-unquote heroes. Yeah. I mean, I like the David and Goliath thing. I think... I think that could be really cool, especially on Survivor. I feel like that would be, might be tougher in other areas, but in Survivor, you never know what's going to happen in that show. Yeah, the problem is that some of them are going to be very tenuous, I suspect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like thicker theme on the Goliath end of the spectrum, and then you're kind of like a bunch of mishmash over here. <laughs> I mean, apparently one of the champions on the Australian one's going to be Russell Hance, so... Oh, no way. That's the strong rumour. It's not been confirmed yet, but that's the strong rumour coming out of it. Well, that's crazy. So, cool. on the next season, do you think anybody is going to break your record of having the most detailed behind-the-scenes insight blog posts <laughs> online? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but those took so much time. It was insane. And I, I don't regret a minute of it. I would do it again all day long. And like, honestly, I could write more about each thing. Um, so I, no, I would be surprised if someone did. How much time do you think we'll you spent on those per week? Like for each episode, was it like um, sitting there for three hours or was it split sessions? Yeah, it was split sessions because I watched the episode twice in order to pull screen grabs from it. Cause you don't, get any photos from the show. So I was pulling screen grabs from it, watching it twice, making sure that I was like accurately describing things. And yeah, I mean, it, it probably was at least like, it was probably at least five hours for each one all in. I think you and Logan are kindred spirits there, given how long <laughs> it takes him to do his task story in blogs. Oh yeah. That's like 400 <laughs> screen grabs per episode. That, that, that takes a I don't even want to know how many hours I put into that over the years. (laughs) Yeah, we don't need to count. (laughs) 400 screen caps and zero spell check. Hey. (laughs) I say it every time. You need to show it to me before you publish it. (laughs) There's not that many typos, Michael. There's about, what, four at the most and how long it is? I usually find quite a few. As soon as he publishes it, he just gets a chat off me going, this bit's wrong, this bit's wrong, this bit's wrong. (laughs) I mean, we all need somebody in our lives to keep us honest. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know, Michael. Michael and Honest. I don't know if that's the best way to go. I was going to say, unfortunately, you have me. <laughs> so, what is the most absurd criticism that you ever heard from any of the Amazing Race fans during the past uh, season? <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, so, first of all, Christy and I were really fortunate to mostly receive um, positive reactions from people watching the show. And I'm close with Brittany and I know what she went through um, and some of the things that were said to her. And that's just like blows my mind that people like that. A lot of people like that exist. Um, and it's something that I don't really understand. And it's, I guess I knew that that was a reality of <laughs> a reality of being on reality television. Um, but I, you know, you forget that you get to know these people as human beings and people watching the show don't. Um, so, I mean, the most absurd thing that... Ugh, we just had a lot, we had a lot of, um, kind of like basically guys that didn't understand why it was important to be a strong female team. One guy said that we were sexist because we were saying that we wanted to, uh, you know, be the next female team to win the show. And I was like, I'm sorry, but can we please talk about the definition of sexism? Because that this is not, that's not what sexism is, but I mean, stuff like that, but it, it wasn't bad. And it was honestly easy enough for us to brush off. I, I got into the weeds a little bit and engaged with some trolls that I probably should not have. Um, but we had it, we had it pretty easy. Did you get any sort of guidance off CBS about what you're allowed to say? Um, with like, with fans, like commenting on stuff. Um, no. Mm -mm. honestly like cbs just vanished like the we once we were home there was like no interaction with anybody from the show until it was like airing it was really weird and and honestly kind of unsettling so in uh the the finale we gosh i think i finished that stupid airplane at like 3 30 in the morning um and then we did interviews probably we were up there for like another hour and a half after that so we were leaving that aircraft carrier at like five in the morning and had to be in the lobby of the hotel at 10 in the morning to go to the airport to leave so there was like not even a moment to be able to spend with like the story producers that you just traveled the world world with for 30 days and like the film crew like there was no decompression time and um if you didn't pick up on it during the show they actually didn't show me get emotional all that often, but I'm a really emotional person and I love people and I love connecting with them. So to just be like in this really intense environment with people and then not have any time to like unwind was really hard. And we don't have their like contact info. And so it, that's, that's kind of been, that was one of the weirdest parts, like leaving the show was like their lot, like their life is amazing race all the time because they're always in some phase of it and constantly moving forward with it um so i get that they can't like you know stay in touch with every cast member but it definitely caught me off guard i'm quite surprised there was no like aftercare i mean and when we went into it like we had pre like in our um in casting 
we, they, they like you meet with a psychologist and they, you know, evaluate you and, and ensure that you're mentally stable enough to go through this experience. And then they say like, Hey, we're here if you need support after, but then there's no like outreach after to say, Hey, if you're having a hard time, um, this is who you talk to. Uh, so, I mean, we were all right, but like, you know, for someone like Brittany, um, I think that that would have been really beneficial or Evan, Evan got like, I can't even, some of the stuff that was said was just, it's just insane. <laughs> yeah. Reddit was really tough on Evan towards the end of the season. I would say it probably even got yeah. worse for her than it did for Brittany towards the end. Yeah. Granted, Brittany got it pretty bad too at times. And I was just like, ugh, this is, this yeah. is a bit, uh, bit unsettling. Well, Brittany is, Brittany's got worse from a particular group of fans because of a particular team that shall not be named. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, the one note that Logan gave was, do not tease anyone about them. I'm like, I'll be good. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. But Evans, I think, was like a more diversified population of people. And like, in all honesty, if I went on that show with my husband, people would have a lot to say about, you know, I mean, it would have been a completely different thing. Like anyone that can do that with a significant other. Holy shit. Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Uh, yeah. um, okay. Fantastic. We're um, the Belgian host of the mole on here. And I think he uh, every other word was the F-bomb from him. Nice. <laughs> Weirdly, Logan, you're in sync with me there, because I was just about to invoke Zeal as well. That's so funny. <laughs> I'm convinced. So the F-bomb is, it's like my favorite word in the English language. And on, uh, gosh, what leg was it? I think it was in Le Beau when we were in France. Um, at the end of that leg, Elise came up to me and she's like, can you please stop swearing so much? She's like, you're supposed to be like setting the example for all the young girls. And in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that was the best strategy I ever had because when, anytime I'm upset, I just, I start swearing and then they don't show you swearing. So they never show when I'm upset. So I'm like convinced that's why Christy and I got such a good edit. <laughs> they couldn't show any of my upset moments. <laughs> there was an adorable clip before we started properly recording with Gilles, the host of Belgium Mall, where he said, am I allowed to say fuck? I'm like, yes, Gilles, you can say it. Say whatever you want. <laughs> that's amazing. We're friends already. <laughs> there was actually a team on season 12 of Amazing Race. Nate and Jen, I believe it was Michael, who got the... They were talked to by production for their constant swearing the first couple of legs. So then they had to get really creative. So they started saying fudge on screen and coming up with just the most ridiculous alternatives instead of swearing so that they would get any sort of uh, airtime or footage by production. That's really funny. And then, of course, because they did that, they got it was with them. It was constant fighting. So then their mm -hmm. footage did get aired and then everyone, all the fans mm -hmm. hated them. See, so they should have just stuck with, with yeah, the swearing. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, you never know what what fans are gonna are gonna learn on this podcast. And now this might be the most helpful piece of advice for them: just go full on f bombs whenever uh, whenever you feel you're not gonna get a favorable edit or you don't want audience to see certain things about yourself. <laughs> just sweat exactly. your heart's content. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that if I ever managed to get an amazing race somehow everyone would hate me because i would just be screaming at people 
Yeah. It's hard not to. <laughs> it actually, it wasn't hard not to yell at other people, but it's hard within your team. It's hard not to, it's hard. I mean, that it's when are you ever with someone 24 seven for 30 days? Never. <laughs> like that's really hard to do with anyone. It's insane. It's hard not to scream every now and again. Let alone a friend who you can probably be more aggressive towards than a significant other. Well, I would, my husband, I'm, like I said, my, my husband and I would have been a disaster. It would have been, cause I would have done the like, fine, then I'm not going to do anything. You think you can do it? Okay, go ahead, figure it out. If you're so smart and strong and I'll just stand over here, like a million dollars, I don't care. I'm just going to prove that, you know what I mean? Like that, and that's a terrible way to run this race. <laughs> can we start a petition for Amazing uh, Race 32 yet? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Amazing Race Hot Mess Edition. <laughs> Amazing Race 32, what happens when you choose the wrong partner for the race? Choose well, some of the strongest teams around and put them with teammates who may not balance each other too well right? on the race. Oh my gosh. Because, and it's, I mean, it's so true. Who you run the race with, it matters so much. Like, even two people that are like really strong at a lot of different things. If they don't interpersonally mesh, it's just gonna unravel so fast. How do you think you would have fared on a stranger's edition? Um, so I think I would have done okay. I mean, it depends again on who, the p person that I ultimately ended up with. Um, but communication is one of my strong suits. Um, so I think that we would have been able to figure things out because I also, in a race like this, like nothing's personal. So for me, it would have just been like really direct and straight down to business. But again, like if the person that I'm working with isn't comfortable with that kind of communication, then that can lead to a whole host of other issues. Um, so it's hard to say. I mean, you look at teams like Becca and Floyd and that's like, I mean, the stars align to bring them together. Like they're the same human being and uh, and they found each other. So I think you have to have a little bit of faith like that. But then you look at like um, Brooke and Scott and you're like, they're so different. And yet they found a way to work together and ultimately to win the race. So I liked the strangers thing. I thought it was really interesting to see how it all unfolded and to watch as teams like got more comfortable a few days into the race and how quickly um, the politeness kind of faded away. Both of them hate me saying this, but Brooke and Scott in real life are exactly the same as on the race. <laughs> like I, I went down to London last year to to meet up with them because they were touring around together using some of their winnings, and they were both jet lagged as all hell, and they just sniped at each other. And it was just, I was just sat there in a pub in London, just going, "This is like be, being in the TV. It's amazing." <laughs> and I love them That's both awesome. dearly because they are adorable people. They just like both very type a it's very funny to watch yeah for sure and like they were a big part of why 29 was a great season for me it was just how watching them snipe at each other but still be very successful yeah right so what do you think would have changed had they not been as successful would it have been as compelling well it depends who would have been in the final three instead of them if it would have been Matt and Red, I I like Matt and Red anyway. I don't like them as much as I like Brooke and Scott, but I like yeah. Matt and Redmond. 
Redmond has probably the best audition video I've ever seen. Oh, I haven't seen it. He tells the camera to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it all depends on who, who would replace him in the final three, is the honest answer. Because there was yeah. some potential hot messes in that season regardless. Right. Shamir and Sarah, final three. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that cast was just chock full of interesting people and London yeah. and Logan. Yeah, and you know, with that, like, it's easier to cast interesting individuals than interesting pairs in a lot of ways, right? Because usually in a pair, you have one person that's kind of the more... Sometimes you get two great people, but I think it's harder to find two great people than, you know, a lot of really interesting individuals. So I think there's power in that. I completely agree. And that's that's a reason it worked. But I think sometimes you see pairs where it's one really great person who you can tell that they were the reason it was cast. Mm-hmm. It, there's some yeah. that are really obvious and then some where it's a bit of a toss up. Yeah. So were there any destinations that um, were sort of decoys that you were a bit disappointed about not going to? Ooh, decoys. Um, I mean, I was happy with everywhere that we went. I would have loved to have gone. um, I know that everybody was talking about, like, going to Nepal. But anywhere, really, in the Himalayas would have been awesome. I would have loved to get into, like, snowy mountains at ridiculously high elevation, because I think Christy and I would have handled it well, um, selfishly. But, um, I mean, otherwise I was happy with our route for the most part, and I was happy when we went to Morocco and then flew back over to France, we kind of thought, like, we weren't going to be going back to Africa initially, and I was bummed. So when we ended up in Zimbabwe, I was really pretty thrilled about that. Um, so no, no complaints about it. I mean... Yeah, I'd, I, if we could go to every continent in a race, that'd be rad. <laughs> but uh, probably it would cost a lot of money and be complicated. That's only happened twice in about 70 seasons, I think it is, worldwide. So, Oh, really? Yeah, it was going to be unlikely that that would happen. Yeah. What did you think of like downtown uh, Harare in Zimbabwe? Um, it was such an interesting... like mix of things because there was this like element of modernization and some high-rise buildings but then still just like dirt streets and you know piece together buildings so I really appreciated just that the contrast that was there um and that people are wearing pants and it was like 97 degrees outside. I don't understand this. But yeah, I loved being in Harare. I thought it was really cool. And I wish we had, I mean, I don't like a lot of people, so I probably would have been highly, like really overwhelmed in India. Uh, But I would have been, I would have been very curious to experience that culture as well. I think the sort of moving away from India legs a bit more, especially when there's female female teams there as well yeah yeah, yeah tiffany and krista had an incident there yeah it's always a bit more dicey for for all female teams yeah for sure i think when it was sort of announced they were going to zimbabwe everyone just went what okay they're doing that yeah it was surprising i liked that ours was not just in i mean i loved being at the the wildlife um conservation 
place in, in Amiri, but I love that we were in the city as well. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it was the first uh, first city Africa leg in about 13 seasons, I think it was. Yeah, that's say. a while. Oh, since Accra? I, th- I think it was the first one since Accra, yeah. Huh. So, did you get to explore every inch of Bahrain in the span of just one day? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, because we are we were really crushed navigating there. Um, yes, basically. It's not a very big country, and we drove all over it. Had we not gotten so lost, we wouldn't have explored all of it, but we practically drove to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no there's no desire to go back there. Like you've covered um, it all. Bahrain, I don't really have a need to go back to. Um not saying that it wasn't like interesting to be there, but I, I mean, I want to go back to Thailand. I'm going to go back to Patara elephant, um, elephant farm and Thailand is special to me for multiple reasons, but it's special to my husband as well. Cause he, uh, he trained and fought professionally in Muay Thai over there for, he was there oh. for 10 weeks. Damn. Yeah. Um, so we'd always wanted to go together cause he wants to show me around and I always wanted to take him um, to Europe, at least the ski parts of Europe and show him around. Um, so then to go to, to Thailand on the race and have that experience is just even more reason to, to get back there. And Chiang Mai is so beautiful. And I just think there's so much more to explore and see and just to be with the people and experience that whole, whole scene. So the people were very, very friendly in Thailand when I was there a few years ago. Yeah. There's a very good reason it's known as the land of a thousand smiles. Right. Yeah. They're really friendly. It was uh, too bad that we had such language barriers with our driver there. That was rough. That's one thing. Like, I just wish, I think we were pleasant enough, but it's hard to not get frustrated and you know that it's not their fault and like they don't care that you're, I mean, they kind of care. They want to care. They want to help you, but they're only doing as much as they possibly can and they have no idea what you're saying. And yeah, I just wonder about how you, how we end up leaving, having made people feel if that's, I don't know if that's weird to say, (laughs) but like our cabbie in, um, in Prague that we tipped, but we didn't, we wanted to tip him so much more because he was such a rock star. Um, and I'm going to go back. I actually, so we sat next to a guy on the plane on the way in there who helped us with some phrases, which was hugely beneficial. Um, and he gave me his card and he's like, if you need anything, you know, here's where I am. So I followed up with him after the race and after that episode aired and sent him a link to it. Uh, I was like, Hey, thanks for your help. Like we ended up winning this leg and it was super special. And, um, so I told him I'm going to come back because, you know, I have family, family roots there. Um, and I was, and he responded and he's like, we can try and track down your, your cab driver. <laughs> I was like, please help me. <laughs> that would be amazing. Then I can properly thank him. Prague is a very beautiful city. Oh, so beautiful. And when it was fall, when we were there and it was like the only, the only like changing foliage I got to see all of fall. Cause fall in Utah is like a three week period of time. And I completely missed it. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of those locations that isn't visited on Amazing Race that often, but when it is, you tend to remember the legs for one reason or another. Yeah, I really liked that leg. I think it's a bummer where where they put the U-turn because I feel like that just detracted from everything else in that leg. Um, and I thought that was probably one of my favorite legs of the whole race. Yeah, it's a shame we lost Trevor and Chris as well. They seemed fun. That sucked too. Was there any team that there was loads of moments that they just didn't show that you were really disappointed about? That's a good question. So, I mean, in all honesty, like, I don't know what other teams were doing for the most part. Like, I realized when we were on the boat in Hong Kong tying crabs that that was the first time that I was like next to Jessica in a challenge since leg two of the race. So like we weren't at challenges at the same time to really be observing what was happening and what people were going through. Um, And that obviously shifts like later in the race a little bit and you start picking up more on what other teams are going through as you're going through it as well. But yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I feel like, but granted uh, you read my blogs <laughs> and they're so long and that's all the stuff that happened to me and Christy that you didn't see. So I'm sure for every other team, there's a laundry list equally as long for each of them. Um, I'm just not aware of it. Yeah. If only all 11 teams put out a, f- put in five hours of work after each episode, to detail their whole experience. We get a, <laughs> we get a complete picture. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Logan just loves um, a blog. He's biased. Yeah. He just loves blogs. Well, I'm glad. I love blogs too. I also like reading instead of simply watching videos, so I appreciate it. It's like Ralph Wiggum. I should follow it up by saying, I like stuff too. <laughs> exactly. So, or in one of my blogs where I just assume that everyone liked marijuana. <laughs> I don't know how accurate I was with that. I took my best shot with it. I want to pull up that blog right now and see how accurate you were. All right, I found it. Although I don't even understand what you're saying in this. Most people don't. (laughs) I'm not sure the little phrases at the end, if they mean that they do smoke weed or don't smoke weed. (laughs) I think I just said everyone does. I think you said everyone smokes weed. I forgot sure. some of my puns. I well just saw the one I put out. for Desing Kayla. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to know that Logan's blog amuses him as much as it amuses everyone else. There's people like, uh, Michael, you know, like Jordan, right? How there's other people who just remember jokes I've made from several years ago that I've completely forgotten about. And I'm like, did I actually make that joke? And then they have to give the context for it because... Sometimes they'll just randomly quote one line, and I'll have no idea what I was talking about, nor what I was referring to. Uh, uh, that's good. That's solid. Meanwhile, I, I just take random clips from the podcast and make them sound effects that I can abuse. Yes. <laughs> like the uh, the accidental clip from the Amazing Race Canada preview, where I've now got a, uh, a quote from Logan saying, Commit suicide, Michael. You took it so much out of context. It's not like me to take things out of context. How dare you? Are you going to change the intro song because with Scott screaming it? I love it too much still. 
it makes me giggle and it annoys Scott, so I need to keep it. It gives me anxiety. <laughs> I like have to turn the volume down just for the intro, and then I can turn it back up. It's the Scott scream, and then uh, various clips from stuff that I've taken out of context in the past. So we have like, I'm all wet. Uh, what else is in there? We have the, uh, the a bit of the face screen clips in there. Do you have Anantania's magic in my fingers bit too, Michael? I think that might be in there for the Canada one. I can't remember for, for certain. I keep changing <laughs> what I put in there. I put far, far too much effort into the intro songs. <laughs> it's genuinely the first thing I think about when, we, when we're preparing to do a preview is, hmm, what terrible pun can I make for the, uh, the intro song this time? So, Jen, I know with the final task of the season that it, I guess it ultimately came down to overthinking how the pieces fit. Yeah, so I'm in some ways still trying to reconcile that final challenge. Um, but yeah, so the the two larger wings on the side had dimension to them. So there was a thicker edge and a thinner edge. And there were two of each. So like there were two that would have a thick edge um, forward on one side and if you were to put the other two on that side they'd have a thin edge pointing forward so the first thing that i did was go look at another airplane on the flight deck to see which way the wings are supposed to be oriented for a properly assembled airplane um because in my mind it was like a two-part challenge and yeah i mean i guess maybe it was overthinking but it seemed like a pretty reasonable amount of thinking um but it made it insolvable if you were trying to have the plane be symmetrical because ultimately in order to get the correct combination of images, and this was the same for everyone's airplane. So it wasn't like only my plane was this way, but you had to turn an airplane wing around backwards and put it on. So I had to use both of the left wings on the plane, which just didn't, like, it, I, I never even, in complete transparency, never figured it out on my own. Um, I was there for, a, like, another hour or so after um, Jess and Henry got it. And at some point, I said under my breath, like, unless the orientation of the wings doesn't matter, like, this, like, offhanded, that could never be the thing. Um, and my cameraman was kind of like, yeah, it doesn't matter. And I was like, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I just swapped out one wing and solved it. So it sucked. I feel like that probably wasn't deliberate that they'd made it two left wings. No, I think it was an oversight. I honestly, like, I think that somebody just like laid out all the airplane pieces and put the images on and didn't think about how they would fit onto the, um, plane in the end so like if you can imagine laying all the parts out mirror imaged but then taking all the ones on the left side and putting all the the correct combination of images on those pieces then you would end up with the correct combination with two left airplane wings that's like what i imagine the process was i completely made that up and have no idea if it happened um and they i mean they assured me like you know we test these these challenges and like so 
I think they were insinuating, like, you're taking a lot longer to solve this than anyone else that, like, we tested this with. But I asked Henry about it after, and he was very candid. And he was like, I didn't even notice the dimensions of the wings. Um, And I think what made it even more confusing for me is that the dimension felt very intentional on those side wings because the wings on the tails were flat panels and they were all interchangeable. So I was looking at it like, oh, I'm going to solve this quicker because I'm eliminating variables by saying only these two could go over here and only these two could go over here instead of all four of them are interchangeable. But yeah, I ended up shooting myself in the foot with that one a lot. Did that type of thinking never come into play in any of the other tasks? It came into play all the time and it was usually the beneficial way to look at things. So that I think was why, you know, with that, that like attention to detail from so many things, like the, the printing press thing, um, to the relics in the pots and so many other Mm. things that we had to do throughout the race and be so precise, like with how we tied the crabs, um, Um, you know, Christy and I had to redo a bunch of them because we didn't pay close enough attention, uh, to that first demonstration. So, you know, that whole time, like we were making lists of what did we do right? What did we do wrong? Where can we improve? And Mm -hmm. one of our main things was like, slow down and pay attention to detail. Um, and they, they're not like super explicit in their, um, directions. So they'll give you like a certain general set of rules and guidelines, um, but they don't say all of the four, like larger side wings are interchangeable. You know what I mean? They're not spelling that out for you. So you pick up on a word, like when you think your plane is properly assembled, like ask the pilot to clear you for takeoff. And so I'm like, okay, a properly assembled plane right. and then figure out the images and here we go. So, yeah, I mean, but the, it's, like I said, like it was, it was fair. The, everyone had that same structure. Like I looked at all of the planes when I was done. Um, and I wheeled it over to Christy and I'm still like, I'm so confused as to why this is right. Like, I don't, I don't really even understand right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And like, I don't want to take anything away from what these guys do because it's just the whole show is such an incredible feat and such an amazing production. Um, it just sucks that that, you know, that that's, that that's what happened. It sucks, but it's an opportunity that I like, I, even knowing that outcome, I would do it again. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I still gained a lot. How much time would you say you spend, uh, with your teammates just trying to talk over the adjustments you need to make from each at the end of each leg? Like, did a lot of other teams do that, too, where they're constantly talking about what to improve on or what strategies to switch up? I'm not sure what the other teams did. I have a feeling Christy and I probably talked about it more than anyone besides maybe Henry and Evan. And I think Chris and Trevor probably talked about it quite a bit as well. I know everyone did to, like, a certain extent. But, I mean, Christy and I, it was it was nonstop until we were sleeping. I mean, it was like from as soon as you were allowed to talk, cause they don't, when you're in, after you check in at the mat, they go, to, you're like in a holding zone before you go to interviews. And so sometimes other teams will finish and they're like feeding you food. Um, so you're sitting there with other teams, but you're not supposed to be like talking to each other or talking to the other teams. Um, but 
as soon as you're like back in the hotel or can start talking, Christy and I would start talking about stuff. We would be doing laundry in the sink and talking about things and talking about other teams and who's left and what we're going to do if this scenario comes up and what mistakes we made and how we're feeling. And if I did something that pissed her off, like how can I not piss her off in the future? I mean, everything was a learning opportunity and it was such a bummer because, ah, uh, this is like such, so ego based, but like, uh, people at home are like, Oh, it's really a bummer. Like team extreme really lost steam at the end of things. And it's like, there's this, it's so untrue. We had some bad cab drivers toward the end of things and like didn't tie crabs very well. Um, but like there wasn't like going into that final leg, we were on point and racing so well the whole entire time up until that very final moment of the final challenge. Um, and I think that that's like the piece for me that's like the most frustrating is like, no, it wasn't cracking under pressure. It was just like overthinking, like, or thinking, uh, or bad luck, bad timing with the luck, you know, but I've experienced that before. <laughs> I guess you could say that you performed really well the entire race, but with one leg exception, Christy cannot say <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, you're the only person who oh, was in the top three gosh. every leg. That's, I can't take that away from Christy. I still like, we can. I still, I can't, <laughs> I know you can. I mean, anybody can do whatever they want. Um, still fifth on my yeah, spreadsheet. That, that was so frustrating, but I also feel responsible because had I put my foot down harder with Cody, when I had that gut instinct to be like, we should switch and go with them. Had I done that, it would have been a totally different outcome. Like we would have probably been the first two teams done. And that piece is like, that frustrates me, <laughs> but it all was fine. We survived the day. Would the partner's swap twist have been better if Phil Kogan had not uh, woken you up with pots and pans at four or five o'clock in the morning? Or would that twist still not have been uh, your ideal situation? Um, I mean, the twist is what it is. Like, we signed up for the race. We knew they could do whatever they wanted to do. So I don't so much mind the twist. But yeah, the pots and pans was pretty awesome. Because they don't, they didn't tell you... Like we went to bed with under the guise of you will be woken up in the morning and you will have plenty of time to get ready, which was so not true <laughs> because he's like pounding on a pot and pan and then everybody's scrambling to get dressed. And I was kind of honestly that like I was kind of over it a little bit. I had like a down moment on our travel to Africa. I was just like I got sick of the production games if that makes sense, like feeling like a marionette um, on strings and just like they give you just enough information to keep you going. And um, I will say the overthinking, like we over-researched Zimbabwe. Like we found the little train station and we looked up how to get like the, the times that the trains left. And we landed, I think, in Harare at noon and the train wasn't leaving until like seven at night but they commissioned a private train to take us there. So I'm like, I'm not running to a taxi. Like we're going to have to wait for seven hours at the train station. And I'm like, Oh, I'm so smart. And then we get there and they're like, okay, get on the train. It's leaving in 20 minutes. <laughs> Shit. So 
Anyway, I'm totally tangenting. Yeah, the pots and pans was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> Were those tents the worst accommodation you stayed in? Or are there some other stories? No way. The uh, the bar floor in Belgium was oh, the worst. Right. Yeah, that was not ideal. It was freezing cold. It was so cold. Um, and, I mean, I don't think Cedric even slept a wink that night, but... They did well that leg, so it apparently didn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, we're sort of the gatekeepers of probably the most infamous uh, location story that people stayed overnight in the um, the first pit stop of Amazing Race 26 in Japan, where they stayed in an internet cafe. Oh my gosh, I remember that. Mm, we were the first people to hear about that story. Did people hook up in there? No, it was more that there were Japanese businessmen watching hentai on full <laughs> volume, and the showers were blocked. <laughs> Oh my god. Mike and Michelle nicknamed it the Jack Shack. Yeah. There were no showers. There was a sink and a toilet um, and a floor. But that was good. And the airports, like, the airports are just weird to sleep in because there's no, you can't turn lights off. But I actually thought of something. A lot of airports have chapels, at least in the States. I don't know if they do worldwide. But I would probably look for a chapel in an airport if I was ever in that situation again. If nothing else, they they usually have prayer rooms or or something. Right. Yeah, we don't have those in Canada, unfortunately. No. Like, uh, I had to spend overnight in the Toronto airport, and the only soft ground I could find in the airport was, like, a patch of artificial grass outside of one of the Starbucks, and that's what I (laughs) slept on for a couple hours on my way back from South America. (laughs) That's amazing. Christy and I brought sleeping pads, and I was happy that we did. We used them enough to make it worth it. Was that the most useful item? Um, besides i guess the essentials i guess yeah besides the essentials that was probably the most useful item and our patagonia little nano puff jacket because it was super lightweight and in airports when it's cold like you can just throw that thing on and pull the hood over your eyes and you're it feels like you're in a sleeping bag um so that was helpful but we definitely brought like stuff we didn't need because production provided things like we brought little rain jackets and then they gave us one in iceland and that was the only place we needed one so we ditched that pretty quick what else i definitely brought too much food like i talked to matt ladley beforehand and i mean but it makes sense because he's like a young guy whose like metabolism is probably through the roof and needed food all the time and like watching well strung chris and trevor were hungry all the time um and christy and i like brought so many snacks thinking like we're really gonna need all these snacks and no i probably had like six pounds of food when i started the race (laughs) it was absurd was that not just a case of being a great way to make friends and just go, oh, you're hungry, have some of my food? Yeah, well, everyone thought my snacks were really weird. I brought, like, uh, have you had Epic bars? They're, like, these, they're, like, meat bars. They're not just, like, meat sticks. They're, like, I don't know. So everybody was just like, what the hell is this? And RX bars and, like, macadamia nuts. And so people thought I was strange. But I did share some food and dark chocolate. Yeah, dark chocolate would have been more more like it, I think. <laughs> That's how you make friends. Yeah, not with meat bars. Plus people with chocolate <laughs> rather than bison. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Uh, um, but we also brought like necessary things like a compass and a calculator and all this other shit that we didn't use. But I would bring it again, even though we didn't use it. So no protractors? No protractor. Was there a protractor episode? 
No, I, I just thought it'd be funny if somebody oh, had packed a pro, protractor. You never know. You might have to find the fulcrum of a point at a, one of the tasks. You never know. You really never know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So cool. if you guys went on the race, what's your number one location that you would want to go to? See, South Africa's next on my list. Mm. I want to go to Australia, but there would be the risk of running into Michelle and Ben. So that may be lower <laughs> on the list. Um, uh, I want to properly go to Japan as well. I'm going to the southern tip of Japan later in the year. Oh yeah, you're beating me there by a few months. I am. Logan's going to Japan at the end of the year as well. Um, the problem is I watch these sort of shows, any show that basically travels and goes, I want to go there now. Right. Like, I never really wanted to go to Sri Lanka, and I watched uh, Dutch Mole season a few years ago, and I'm like, that looks amazing, I want to go there now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to have a big list of places you want to travel. It is, and I've got a big scratch-off map of the world on my wall as well, so... Yeah. That's too unscratched at the moment. How is it travelling? I feel like from London, it's probably fairly... I mean, easy's the wrong word, but easy to get to a lot of places in the world. Yeah, I mean, I I tend... Well, I am changing in London this year, because I I live nearer to Manchester, but... um, Yeah, London does have a lot of good connecting flights... I mean, yeah. back, back end of last year, I did LA in LA, Seattle, and Vancouver uh, cool. via London. We're going to we're starting in Beijing this year, so we're doing London, Beijing, and then uh, flying nice. back from Singapore. Well, London's one of the main hubs of the world, isn't it? So you, yeah. you can't really have a season of Amazing Race without someone traveling through Heathrow at some point. But this is true. I've never actually been in London properly, only in the airport. So I've got to change that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Heathrow. I I much prefer changing at other airports because Heathrow is a bit boring. There isn't much to do, but I'm just a bit yeah. spoiled. <laughs> You're used to it. Yeah, like Singapore is such a cool airport. I, I quite like Singapore. You've got a frigging water park. It's awesome. In the airport? In the airport. What? That's insane. The one that we flew through last time, they have a koi cart pond. They've got like a children's play area. They've got a, a pop-up cinema somewhere. They've got a new water park in the new terminal. No wonder they're the most expensive city slash country in the world. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Were there any particularly cool airports that you went to on the race? Or was it just kind of a place to sleep? Yeah, mostly just a place to sleep. I'd say in Africa, when we connected through uh, South Africa, that seemed cool. Like they had a lot of like art and really, I mean, really cool African art and clothes and things in there. But I'd never been anywhere in Africa and I love that kind of stuff. So. I don't think it was a particularly cool airport. I just liked seeing what they had in there. So, no, we didn't really go to any super cool airports. You missed out. Yeah, Bangkok was crazy, though. That airport's nuts. It's insane. Not been to the airport in Bangkok, but when I went to Thailand, I I went through Bangkok. Yeah. Is it just everyone singing karaoke in the airport? Is is that what happens? It's just, like, madness. Like, there's... The planes, they, they only, it seems like they don't actually have gates, so they bus everyone everywhere. Um, oh. And it's just really crowded. And they just have had weird, uh, like we flew from Chiang Mai to Bangkok, and then we were connecting from Bangkok to wherever we were going, Hong Kong. And we had to like leave the airport and then like check back in. And it was, I mean, it was just complete madness and our flight was delayed and we probably all would have missed our flight had 
that not happened. That was actually really funny. So I don't think I even went into that on my blog, but checking in for our flight in Chiang Mai to Hong Kong, they told us we're only able to check you in for this first flight. And so I was like, okay, well, how long is our connection in, in Bangkok? Cause they're like, you're going to have to leave. And then you're going to have to like go back in through security, which with your camera crew, it takes a while. So we were concerned. We were like, I don't think we're going to make it if we have to go out of security and then back through security. Um, but there was no one, if you don't like, there's all these like weird nuances. Like if you have to use an email address to check in online, you can't check in online. So if you can't get an airline to check you in for a flight, like you're kind of screwed. And we weren't given the information that we had access to this, the VIP lounge. And I guess the other teams were told that they did. So Christy and I spent like 45 minutes freaking out, thinking that we were the only team that wasn't going to get checked in for this flight. And like, we're going to end up missing our connection and being like hours behind everybody else. And it's this complete, I mean, it was, it was probably such a shit show to watch. And then finally production was like, Hey, like you're allowed to use this VIP lounge and you can have them check you in for that second leg. Um, cause it was two different airlines, um, for the second leg. So we got checked in. And we think we'd like figured it all out. And then all of us ended up needing to go out of security anyway, because we didn't go through the international security when we went through security in Chiang Mai. And so it was this whole thing. And then we'd like, that's when we started having conspiracies that like production was out to get us. Cause some of them had like gone through the international line and were like, they're intentionally trying to like have somebody miss a flight and like add drama to the show. And they're like, you guys need to stop overthinking shit. <laughs> like you're insane. We don't want anyone to miss a flight ever because it makes everyone's lives <laughs> miserable. Oh my God. So yeah, there's moments like that, that you don't see anymore. And I bet you were running through the Bangkok airport, just going, fuck, they can never use this now. Fuck, 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 fuck. We were sprinting back and forth, like in the airport, like going to every different freaking check-in counter and people were like what in the hell are these girls doing and finally we see alex and connor and they're like what is wrong with you <laughs> like relax you're fine but we didn't know we were fine because we were like thinking we were going to be the only team to miss a flight so yeah and then you have henry and evan that didn't even realize that so they had only checked in for the first flight and they like weren't even worried about it so then the rest of us are thinking oh my god like we're going to make the connection and henry and evan aren't and then we all ended up having to go out of security anyway. Oh my god, it was it was really fucking funny. There's just so many stupid things like that. You like a lot happens in 20 days. It's oh my like. god, so much. It's insane. I don't know how it all fits in there. Speaking of conspiracy theories, do you know which production assistant uh, chucked uh, Lucas's uh, passport uh, <laughs> off the plane? I plead the fifth. <laughs> in the episode entitled did you push my passport off the ledge <laughs> oh that sucked for them so badly i do have to say i love how Kano just became this sort of bumbling character through all of their legs like, <laughs> I, I i just love how they they went out of their way to to just put little stupid Kano moments in every episode but like connor is full of those moments like you cannot i don't you guys haven't met him yet but i mean that is Connor. The, the only thing I will say is that the show made him look stupider than he is. Like, he was a contributing member of the team, and he's not an idiot. And his, like, funny 
comments are like intentionally funny. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like the way that it was edited was just like, he's a doofus, but I love that kid. He's so funny. Yeah, they just gave him the edit of being a, basically a man-child. The tag along, for sure. And then being basically single-handedly responsible for another face cream clip in Bahrain. <laughs> milk for milk! <laughs> that might have been my favourite clip from the entire season. I take such joy in finding <laughs> face cream clips, because I don't do them every season. I take such joy when I get an episode like that where it's just wall-to-wall, out-of-context, inappropriate quotes, and I can go, yep, we're finishing with the face cream clip. <laughs> because I believe you had a clip in that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think you had a clip yeah. in that. Yeah. Or was it the Thailand one? Something about, I don't know, yeah, swallowing something. Oh, yeah, oh, swallowing yes. for Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As soon as you say the word swallowing, we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I like well, how it was like I mean, floating around in everyone's head and I was like, oh yeah, that's that was, that's what it was. That's it, that's <laughs> it. So are you guys optimistic about 31 then? See, it's a hard situation for me because I, when the original rumours came out, when it was all, all Big Brother, I was like, yes, if it airs at the same time, I can do the other two shows that aired at the same time because we had to skip doing a show that I wanted to do this year to do Amazing Race because of how it lined uh-huh. up. So I was like, yes, I might actually be able to just leave this in everyone else's capable hands and I'll get to do the other two shows. And then the cast got leaked and I'm like, oh, I really want to do it now. (laughs) I've got a hard decision. Yeah. So who are you guys pulling for for the W? I'd love Colin and Christy to win just to, to prove everyone wrong that they've been out for so, so long. Right. I like Janelle and Brittany. I love them both individually and... You know, Britney's going to be very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, who else? I like Becker and Floyd, although I'm not sure they can win. They were a stronger team, though. Like, they did pretty well in their season until Floyd's meltdown. Yeah. Well, literal meltdown. Literal. Yeah. Literal. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was not the most, like, sensitive <laughs> choice of words. Yeah, I'm, I am I mean, I love, I would love if they won. I think Tyler and Corey, Colin and Christy... And Team Fun Final Three, like, is a really realistic thing. Um, but Art and JJ were really strong as well. I think Art and JJ are going to make a really deep run. Yeah. Like, they they finished top three every leg except for one in which they got fourth, I believe, in their season. Yep. Like, I'm just reviewing it right now. And during the their Paraguay leg, they won it without any like express pass or fast forwards or anything like that. They won the yep. leg by four hours and 49 minutes or more over all the teams who were on the same exact flight as them going into no that way. leg. Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, they probably had a flight advantage. No. Yeah, there's That's three other teams insane. on their flight, including Dave and Rachel, which who, yeah. who won eight legs. Oh my God. Brendan Rachel. Hey, Michael, were Brendan and Rachel on that same Paraguay flight? Oh, no, it was Mark and Bopper and Neri and Jamie. That's who it was. Uh-huh. So, actually, um, the team that was uh, second place for that leg was Brendan and Rachel, and they weren't even on that original flight. So that means they beat the other teams oh, wow. in their plane by probably six hours or more. Oh, yeah. my gosh. The one thing I will say for Tyler and Corey is it's going to be interesting to see what they're like when it's the season where it isn't their friends. Mm, yeah. 28 was a weird situation where everyone kind of tangentially knew each other. And I don't think Tyler and Corey really know any of the other teams this time. Corey somewhat does. Some, through the, through. 
Because he was um, he's gone to some of the finale events and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's not the sort of connections that they necessarily had in twenty eight though. Yeah, not as deep. Who are you pulling for, Logan? Well, we're calling Christy by far, and then it'll just be kind of hilarious because I don't have any expectation for Rupert and Laura to do well at all <laughs> if somehow they make it to the end oh and win. Gosh. Like he goes on Survivor four times and loses miserably each time, but somehow he pulls it all together for Amazing Race. That would be and then hilarious. He, and he runs for governor again and wins. Like his life happen. just takes this second wind. <laughs> I think it will be a miracle if Rupert and Laura last more than a leg. <laughs> like I love them as characters, but their performance is probably not good. <laughs> it can be described as death and rot. <laughs> Who you turned to me, John? <laughs> <laughs> you snake motherfucker. <laughs> See, this is why we need Rupert to last as many legs as possible, because we'll just do terrible <laughs> impressions of it. Uh, well, you can. Maybe it'll do, like, regardless of where they end up, he can be, like, the mascot. That voice can pop in. He's one of our favourites and always has been in terms of having to do the impressions. And to be fair, we haven't done that many impressions in recent seasons. Yeah, you should do more impressions. Not since our uh, our repeated uses of Logan from 27. Uh. Poor Logan and Chris. Which I believe was Joey's greeting to you at the t- the uh, finale, wasn't it, Logan? Yes, he did a Logan. He went up to me and did his Logan and uh, Chris impression immediately. And then I think Chris <laughs> brought up the uh, paddleboarding backyard canals fairly on too. We're just such influencers. <laughs> this was back when I was sober at those finale parties. After that, it all gets a gets a little bit a little bit. All hazy. downhill from there. How times have changed. Uh, just randomly appearing on the Survivor finale as well. Yeah, I got to do that little cameo on Co Wrong, thanks to uh, Jessica. <laughs> that sounds fun. So, would Amazing Race be your pick of shows to go on over Survivor? Over Survivor, yes. It'd be tough for me. I, I know it's different from Michael, but yeah, I don't know which one I would want to be. I know I would do better at Survivor. Yeah. I think Amazing Race, I don't have quite as many all around like physical skills and attributes. Like I can I can do decent with running and stuff, but anything that's technical or put this bike together and shit like that, I think uh, yeah. I think it'd be like, oh, really wish my uh, brother-in-law did this uh, roadblock instead of me. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a different kettle of fish for me because we don't have Survivor or Amazing Race mm-hmm. over here. I mean, the one show I've always said I wanted to go on was The Mole. Mm-hmm. I think I would want to go on Amazing Race. I don't think I would be good at it. That's the difference. Yeah. I think I would just basically be everyone's hate target <laughs> there's no other way to describe it, just hate target I, I think i would get trolled to high heaven oh that's funny which would be great for everyone else it'd just be a bit annoying going on twitter and seeing basically die yeah that would suck you don't want that well i was on amazing race i would hope that they would take me to the countries that are like really expensive to fly into like for instance i think it's bhutan where if you just travel there on your own you have to pay the government $250 per day that you you stay there. Mm. So it'd be a huge budget crunch for an amazing race, but I'm like, well, if there's one circumstance to go to Bhutan, I would hope CBS somehow, or I guess for me, CTV would somehow arrange to uh, to go there. I mean, fair enough. You might as well. That We were like excited to see some places that like we wouldn't, places that you have to get visas for that are just like more complicated to travel to was kind of mm. nice. Um like Bahrain, I would never, I would never go there. So I'm glad that the race brought me there. Most people don't even know that country exists. I didn't. I was like the 
I don't I don't really know where this is. I can like take a wild guess that it's somewhere in the Middle East, but I don't really know. So I want to know about the mole because I haven't seen it. I know what it is, but like, what's the what's the approach? How do you figure out? So ten people traveling around doing challenges. One of them's been paid by production to sabotage as much as is physically possible. And the idea is there's all these hidden hints and where the mole would position themselves in games to try and sabotage as best as possible and all that sort of stuff. It's a lot of gut instinct, and I'm terrible at it when we play along. Mm. I do very well at it. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, all three seasons I've caught up on, just with Belgian Mole alone the past few months, I've been able to... The first two seasons I picked up the mole very early on both times, and then this past season, what was it, Michael, once it got down to... Once my main suspect had been executed and my next guess was the correct one yeah which was final four yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i lucked out a little bit there but i'm like "Eh, at least i didn't pick the wrong person within the three at the end at which point i also suspected him so yeah that was your one redeeming factor there is that you figured out by the by the end of the game but it's just such a a clever insane show like the belgian one is legitimately crazy the season we covered this year was set in Mexico, and the opening challenge was an escape room in coffins. They were they were oh. buried underground. Yeah. What? Hmm. That's wild. Yeah, there's like this beautiful opening shot of the the host driving down this random Mexican road, and then he speaks to the the team, and you just find out that they're actually buried underground. What? Oh my god, that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Previously, they've had a massive game of Scrabble where. Um, where they play against the host who previously won the title of the smartest person in Belgium. And to get their letters, the team had to go into a gigantic hedge maze, which was populated by ostriches. Oh my gosh. And the ostriches would chase after the people that they went down the wrong corridor. Crazy. Those birds are huge. I would be freaked out. I'm kind of freaked out by, like, birds that can peck you. That makes me nervous. And my personal favourite challenge they've ever done can be summed up in three words. Drunk Museum Heist. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I feel like I should watch this show. They tricked them into getting absolutely rat-assed, and uh, the host said, your next challenge will begin uh, tomorrow. And then at 12.01, he came back into the bar and said, I told you it'd be tomorrow. Your next challenge is starting right now. (laughs) They had to try and sneak into a museum, which they didn't tell the museum necessarily everything about, and steal relics from it. I love that. That's so awesome. Oh my god, that sounds so fun. That's like stuff you dream about being able to do that you could never do. That's cool. They just have such a deliciously horrible sense of humor. It's brilliantly funny to watch. And the host did shots with the with the players prior to this challenge, too. Yeah, so he was a little bit wasted no as well. <laughs> so just imagine if like Bill Hogan's out with you guys. Yeah, this is Belgium. Yeah. So is that the best like country version of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's very close for me between Belgium and Holland, but I think Belgium has still got it at the moment. They had 15 years off and came back with one of the best seasons I've ever seen. That's impressive. Yeah, the American version's been off the air since 2007? 2008? Wow. That feels a lot shorter than 10 years. Yeah. Given how much of it I can still remember, I'm slightly worried about myself now. <laughs> I still what remember are you random... that brain of yours with? Crap about not great versions of the mole, evidently. <laughs> Is there any other show that you you would want to do? Um, I would I would want to do Survivor for sure. Um, I don't know that I could win 
because I don't know. <sighs> it's just, I feel like I'd get the boot. Like I just, people would get rid of me. I think if I made it to the final three, that I would have a very good chance of winning. But I think making it to the final three would be really fucking hard. But I would love to do the show anyway, because I just think it's, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fucking awesome. So yeah, but that's it, really. I wouldn't go on Big Brother. No? <laughs> <laughs> no. 100 days trapped the in the house? I'm what? sure my husband's happy about that. Uh, Yeah. What? Who knew somebody who loves to be outdoors and, and skiing and stuff all the time would not want to go into a house and be stuck there for a hundred days all summer? Right. I would. <laughs> I would. I would. I would leave. I would walk out. There's no way I wouldn't last in that house. I would blow the fuck up on people too. And you didn't see a lot of that on Amazing Race, but in that show you would see it because it's all aired <laughs> all the time. Not even with them including the climbing wall as they have done this year. Oh my gosh. No. Which is a recipe for disaster with drunk people. Yeah. Don't they limit alcohol, though, on on the civilian versions of Big Brother US, Michael, since season two when that one guy lost his mind? <laughs> yeah, probably, but I'm, I'm still assuming that they won't let anyone near the climbing wall if anyone's had any alcohol, just in case. Hopefully. Big Brother Hopefully. Canada, they encourage drinking all the time. They try to find, throw in as many drinking parties as possible whenever things get boring. Which, to be fair, is a lot of the time. <laughs> For Canada, yeah, that is true. I think we unintentionally covered, like, five other questions I I had. <laughs> oh, there's there's actually one we didn't cover. It's not even that interesting of a question, but let's just let's just complete this whole list. You have okay. everyone's attention, Logan. <laughs> yes. Wowers. Ready for the most boring question? Is everyone stoked for this? We're gonna we're gonna end on a winner here. <laughs> Future Michael, feel free to cut this out. Not happening. Uh, which team that was eliminated early on was actually stronger than they appeared to be on screen? Um, so how how early is early on? Uh, I don't know. Let's go maybe like seventh or earlier. I think that. Trevor and Chris, I don't know if they were seventh or earlier. I think that they got a very underwhelming edit for how awesome they were. Like, so they got, what, fourth place four times in a row? Oh, no, they, they got, got third three times in a row. They got fourth because they were, they, they, a little, sorry. Um, we were the only team that they never beat on the race, according to Chris. And oh. I think, like, first of all, Trevor is brilliant. And I don't think that that got really well portrayed. And he's so, they're so funny. They're so funny. So I think those guys, like, they just didn't, it just didn't come across well. And I don't know if Chris, I don't know if Chris was like frantic or if Trevor was frantic or what was going on that like led them to not fully performing. Cause I thought that they were going to be a really strong team. And I for sure thought they were going to the end. Like when we started the race and after we started talking to them and getting to know them and, um, so that one surprised me. I feel like I didn't, I mean, I, I feel like Desi and Kayla, um, and April and Sarah and Cedric and Sean, uh, I don't know how much longer they were going to last. And like, even talking to Desi and Kayla, cause obviously that foot race at the end in the, in episode one was brutal, but they're like, well, we feel better after watching the show and like seeing that fries race. Cause they're like, if we didn't go out in the first leg, we would have been out in the second leg. And they're like owning that and Cedric and Sean 
they had really shining moments and then less shining moments. So I, but I feel like they were accurately, like, I feel like you captured that. So I think Trevor and Chris were the most like missed, if that makes sense. Right. Like with Cedric, it seemed like he was already physically done by about leg three. Yeah. And did you get to see April and Sarah argue as much as what was portrayed on the show? We didn't see any of it because we only talked to them. Well, I guess we spent that. We saw them in the our night on the Belgium bar floor and they were fine. But we were never next to them on a race course. Never watched them interact. So that was like shocking to us when we saw that come out. We were like, oh, my God, had no idea that was going on. Have they patched things up at all since then or is it still really um, like, I think that they them. have figured out a like working relationship. Um, but I, I think that their friendship was changed for sure. Wow. Yeah. Another casualty of the race. Yeah. I, Christy and I are closer than we were before we started the race. There's no question about it, which is cool and special because uh, it can definitely it can tear you apart if you're on the wrong side of it. Would you say that probably everybody beside, with the glaring exception of April and Sarah, that everybody else has become closer because of the experience? Um, that's a good question. I don't necessarily. I know what I the answer is for Lucas and Brittany. So. <laughs> yeah. They've grown apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think for Brittany and Lucas, it's absolutely true. I'm not sure about Cedric and Sean. I didn't I didn't get to know those guys super well, so I haven't like stayed in touch with them much post race. So I'm not really sure about everybody else, in all honesty. I think it certainly brought the team who shall not be named closer together. Well, to be fair, they'd only known each other for about four days by the time they went on the race. So. Yeah, four days in the real world for sure. I worked it out to be I think it was nine weeks total. Yeah. From meeting each other to going on the race. That they'd actually spent around each other. Right, because Jess was out of the house pretty early on. And then Cody was stuck there. And then I think after Big Brother, I think they had like four days together outside of the house to get ready. And then they went on the race. So their entire... I can't imagine getting to know someone like in that context. It's pretty wild. Yeah, but they're, they're a match. That's for sure. They certainly know each other better than, or going into the race better than two of the Amazing Race Canada teams this year, because two of the Amazing Race Canada teams are practically complete strangers that they've uh, paired up. Yeah. Really? Why? Yeah, there's, an all, there's, a, there's an all-female team where one is a champion barrel racer and another oh, was yeah. a former Skeletor, and they have only known of each other, but they've never... Uh, like hung out or anything so when they're doing all these preseason interviews and they're saying oh what are your partner's strengths and weaknesses they still try to answer the question but you know that they don't they don't know each other so they're just trying to assign random positive attributes without any knowledge of the person whatsoever and then another all-female team that they randomly paired up are both in where are they michael they're both in the equivalent canadian equivalent of the navy yeah they're they're both navy officers but they've known each other for about a month so bizarre. And everyone else knows each other extremely well, except for those two teams, which they just randomly paired together. Just to fit their little, whatever, their little casting formula. The hero, yeah, to be heroes, yeah. So this is strange, though, because they say for Nancy and Melissa, teammates slash elite athletes. But, like, they're teammates now because they're on the show together? 
Yeah, but they, they like never they've never before? they don't even compete in the same sports. Yeah, if you read their backstory, it's like yeah, they tangentially met at the Cam- Calgary Stampede t- twenty years ago. So funny. So how come Amazing Race Canada links to people's social media accounts, but Amazing Race US doesn't? I don't know because Amazing Race Canada, the contestants are. I've noticed a bit of a casting difference that way, where. The American contestants tend to be a lot more active on social media. And then the Canadian contestants, especially last season, where like they just create Twitter accounts solely for the race for and the they barely, or for the show. Yeah. And barely, yeah. Uh, barely tweet or even interact with anybody online. No one really does any uh, like the idea of doing interviews or podcasts uh, for Amazing Race Canada contestants very huh. rarely happens either. Like um, there's one guy who lives in Alberta named... Uh, uh, Wayne, who used to do exit interviews for the first three or four seasons, Michael? Yeah, I think it was four, because he... Oh yeah, five. Five he definitely didn't do. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, I met him, because he just he actually has a sister that lives in the same town as me, so we met up last year. And uh, he was saying, yeah, a lot of them just... The idea of, the idea of doing All-Stars isn't really as feasible with the Canadian version, because a lot of them are just one and done, and then they just they go back to their regular lives a lot more. Like you can't use, yeah. like with Canadian reality shows, there's no real basis to use that to launch a further career. Like you can yeah. with some of the American shows where you have a lot more eyes on you. Even though if it's like yeah. Amazing Race not having much of a viewership, it's still it's still like 8 million people with Canada, even though it's still the number one show every single year for all uh, five seasons, it's still only a little over a million people at the most. And... Yeah. You just can't use that to gain "quote unquote" stardom or or be right. able to transition into a different career at all. In fact, the prize money for Mason Race Canada, the winners get the prize, and then second through tenth get zero, nothing. Really? Yeah, it's all or nothing, and they don't really have wow. an elimination uh, station for it. So as soon as you're eliminated, you just pretty much go back go home. home. Yeah, really. And then they bring you out for the finish line, and that's it. Hmm, that sucks. The other major difference is the fact that they're very patriotic and very kind of xenophobic's the wrong word, but like they they really don't like leaving their borders. Canadians? Yeah. Well, Amazing Race Canada. Okay. And there are so many people on like the Amazing Race Canada Facebook page where they just go, Oh, why are you doing international legs? This is Amazing Race Canada, not Amazing Race World. Right. It's the Amazing Race. You're supposed to not stay in the same country. Right. They've actually cut like down the premise on the number is of like it's links. a race around the world. So if you're not racing around the world, then it's something else. And as Logan said, they cut the number of international legs down from four to three. Yeah. I do like from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of I saw um season two. I've only seen a season. But I like this one. Yeah, it was great. The well the editing was weird, but the some of the teams were great and the tasks seem cool. Like the tasks seemed harder and I like that. Yeah. I'd say I think all but one or two of the teams that season we've had interactions with and the one we haven't definitely had an interaction with is probably our favorite punching bag in Amazing Race history, Shala and Navila. Oh my God. But they're freaking hilarious. Exactly. They're, they're so amazing. It's amazing. Just stumbling their way through oh, their one leg. That was so sad. <laughs> I 
their bio having phrases like, oh, we hope we last a while because we got loads of cute outfits to wear and things. Uh, or their, fear, uh, yeah. their biggest fear was wooden popsicle sticks. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who, what was the brother and sister team? Uh, Suki and Jinda. Michael's all-time they're, favorite team. They're, they're awesome. I love them. So surprising. Like them getting into the life drawing fast forward. Oh. Oh, thank God, God we didn't pick a, a more intertwined post. So funny. So awkward. <laughs> Actually, a production assistant, or one of the producers got fired over uh, over that challenge. No. She was, yeah, yeah, this is this is 100% true. Um, this, was, this was right when the episode aired, Michael? Yeah, this was as I'd just got to Vancouver, so it was about a week after the episode aired. Oh, yeah, I, that's right when we met, met like, each other for the first time. Here's the thing, though, like... That went. That was run by a lot of people. That wasn't one person's choice. To like... Well, it, there was this editor who was chatting me on Facebook. I don't know how he found my details, but he was chatting me on Facebook and sort of telling me behind the scenes stuff. And it got to that week's episode, and he was like, "Yeah, we have in our e- little editing shack. We just have the unfiltered pictures of Suki naked." Oh. Oh, dude, you should not have been admitting my. that. Gosh. And he said that publicly in the group, too, I believe. Yeah, he did. And that's how he got fired. <laughs> and then he uh, mysteriously disappeared days that. after that. So it wasn't actually about the challenge itself. It was about commenting about the challenge. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a result of the challenge. Yes, it was a result. If the challenge didn't exist, then that comment wouldn't have existed. Yeah, but I mean, that isn't the first time we've seen the life drawing fast forward, but it is the best instance possible because... It's just a super awkward relationship to have to be naked around each other for. Um, yeah, very awkward. They handled it really well. Like, they, they laughed it off. I just, I genuinely adore Suki and Jinder. For good reason. Yeah, they're just wonderful. They are still one of my favorite teams. They're still my Reddit flair. Nice. Logan's is uh, TNT still, isn't it? I think it's still Tramil and Talisha who were 10th, 11th place on season three, yes. Mm. <laughs> Childhood nostalgia. Yeah. Doesn't go for the usual Terry and Ian or Flo and Zach or anything. Have you run out of questions now, Logan, then? Yeah, that brilliant question about Trevor and Chris, that was that, well, that was it for, for me. I guess there's the head-to-head thing. What'd you think about the head-to-head twist? Um, I, I have, I, again, like, the show's the show, and they're going to do what they're going to do, so I can't complain about it, and I knew that signing up. Um, I think that it was a bummer that it was right before the pit stop and you know in france for example like the amount of time that we were waiting there before a team even showed up relative to the amount of time between our losses like had that been earlier in the leg we could have potentially overcome that deficit and still have won the leg and i think it would have made for a slightly more compelling show to watch you know what I mean? In it terms just would of storytelling? Like, yeah, because I think it would have led to more lead changes. Instead of just watching someone lose at something over and over again, you're seeing different people pull ahead and fall behind in different situations, if that makes sense, versus leaving it all to the end. Like, you just wait there until someone shows up, and then so you, you do your thing. So you'd completely approve of the twist if it was, like, the other international versions that put it near the star of the, the leg or the way through? Face yeah. off or double battle or what's the other name for it, Michael? They use intersection in the Philippines. Yes. Yeah, I think the intersection, the partner swap for me, it bothered me that it was a whole leg. Like I think that that it just shouldn't have been 
counted as it's as a leg for numerous reasons, but mainly because it's ruining our record. I think it would have been better if it wasn't just two teams swapping one partner each and it was everyone has to swap with a different team. Like if it was a full mix up. And I kind of think it just should have been like random. I don't know. Maybe the picking is fine. But yeah, like if each individual had to pick a person to be their partner um, and it couldn't be from the same team. Yeah, because it, I know it ruins your record, but it also ruins my recording. Of, of averages and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a gray area whether like I count you guys as three or five or six. Right, because technically we were tied for third. Technically, you're tied for fifth. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess if you go, right, first and first, third and third, fifth and fifth. Yeah. To the point where I actually had to split it so it's individuals and who actually came in first, second, third, fourth, fifth and sixth. That like It's such a mess. But I like, I like that they're, I like mixing things up. Honestly, I also just like hard, difficult, weird challenges. So I would just, I think there's something to be said for that. Do more of that. And let the flights matter more. And I know the production thing is like, I get that they need you kind of clumped together, but it would be really nice if you could sometimes maintain a lead. Like we, we got to maintain a lead like once the entire race. So it was like starting fresh every time, which I think, you know, this says something about our consistency, but it's just would have been nice. Yeah. Do you guys think you would have won more legs had you been able to do all your flights on your own? Yes. Because I think you I probably do. would as well. I think you probably would have competed for the best average of Amazing Race US if you'd actually yeah. been able to put your own flights. I think so. And Christy and I are were well-traveled, so that I think would have been something we would have done really well at. Um, would there have been another team that would have done just as well with flight scrambles, you think? Alex and Connor would have done well. It would have harmed uh, Henry and Evan. <laughs> it would have hurt Jessica and Cody. Um, I think Chris and Trevor, it could have helped them. And I'm not sure about really everybody else. It might have helped uh, Lucas and Brittany. Um, it might have. Because they would have actually been thinking about getting off the plane and not throwing their throwing Lucas's passport off the ledge. Ugh. Um, so I actually, I have to jump off. I didn't realize it was six, but I'm supposed to be hopping on another call. Um, but thank you guys. It was fun to... Thank you for joining us. Fun to talk. My pleasure. Hope it, Thanks for uh, joining us last second. <laughs> sorry I, that, you know, it couldn't be the exclusive reveal of Justin and Diana's Team Green Baby. But we have confirmed what the new Justin and Diana baby is going to be called, and that's thanks to you, so. <laughs> We've all decided for them. Yep. Logan, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, Jen. You're welcome, guys. Have a good one. See ya. Bye. So, thank you for listening to this very special Amazing Race podcast. You can join us next week for another interview. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logs of Cracky for Logan. See you next week. When the farmer feels their seaweed has been properly laid out to dry, he may give them a little face cream. Oh, oh thank you. Oh, oh, yes, thank you. Oh, you got to really squeeze it. Yeah, okay. just squeeze it. Gotta get right in there and just milk the teat. I'm just grabbing things. Just boom. Milk, milk, milk. And it was just a weird sensation. At a certain point, I just started swallowing because chewing wasn't going to really get you anywhere. It was like magic in my fingers. I liked them on my face.